I'm Alex Zane, and this episode is brought to you by Odeon. Tis the season for giving. And yes, new socks feel nice. A new jumper feels snug. But if you really want to treat a loved one this Christmas, there's no better gift than that cinema feeling. Sinking into comfy seats, absorbing spectacular surround sound whilst being immersed in crystal clear imagery. It's a feeling like no other. And you can gift that cinema feeling to a lucky loved one with an Odeon gift card. Pick one up at your nearest Odeon or online and cover someone's snacks, drinks, cinema tickets, or all three. And best of all, no wrapping up. Odeon say we make movies better, so why not make a fellow film lover's Christmas better too? Tis the season after all. Also, just before we head to our fantastic virtual cinema, how would you like a pair of tickets to head to a fantastic and very real Odeon cinema? Because the lovely people at Odeon have handed us a pair of tickets to give away every show. So if you'd like the chance to head to your nearest Odeon and enjoy a movie, all you need to do is leave us a review or get in touch on social media. I'll explain more at the end of the show, but... Congratulations to this week's winner, Cameron Thacker, who got in touch on Instagram about Simon Brodkin's unpopular opinion on last week's episode that superhero movies are rubbish. Cameron says, People have to understand there is a difference between a movie and a film. I love superhero movies a lot, but I wouldn't classify or compare them with films that are directed by Tarantino, Zemeckis or Spielberg. Cheers, Cameron. Drop us an email to triptomovies at gmail.com and we'll send you your Odeon Cinema tickets. More details at the end of the show if you'd like to get a pair of tickets for yourself. Also, don't forget the full Simon Brodkin video interview is on our Patreon along with all the other interviews from every single guest. And finally, for all the latest news and clips from the show, we're on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Trip to Movies Pod. All right, back to this episode if you're ready. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, the podcast where each week a special guest takes us on an incredible journey as they curate their perfect night out at our fantastic virtual cinema. This week we're joined by a brilliant actor, author and presenter. She began her career as the host of NTV News before going on to present everything from Celebrity Juice to I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here Now to Love Island. She's the author of the best-selling book, No One Can Change Your Life Except For You, and can currently be seen treading the boards on stage at the Criterion Theatre in London's West End in the critically acclaimed play, 222, A Ghost Story. Taking us on today's trip to the movies, it's the super talented Laura Whitmore. Good morning, Laura. How are you this chilly London morning? Good morning. First of all, what an intro. Thank you. That was nice. Um, oh, and good. I'm... Thank you. I, I'm, I'm freezing. I'm abs- It's freezing. And I'm Irish. I'm able for the cold usually, but I can't take this. I was going to say, isn't this summer for you? <laughs> I know. I know. But you know, I like, to, I realise my mother, this is totally going to put, my mother loves a bit of central heating and she used to always blast the heating on and my husband goes mad. He's like, turn down the heating. It's too hot in here. I've been going around in a t-shirt and shorts inside and it's snowing outside because I blasted the heating up. You can't be doing that. Can't be doing that no. these days. No, no, we can't. Unfortunately, it's weird. I I can deal with a, a warm house during the day, but at night I have to have a very very cold room at night. I have to sleep in frigid temperatures. You absolute psychopath. <laughs> really? What? Really? No, yeah, because then you're all you're all snug under the duvet, and it's like your little cocoon of warmth. But outside, you can see your breath. Can I just say? We used to be MTV presenters and we used to have stories and we talk, we're talking about central heating and being chilly at night, stick on the electric blanket. What have we become? Yep. Rock and roll. I used to be fun. I used to be fun. <laughs> hey, so I want to talk about uh, 222, a ghost story. I- I'm seeing it in January uh, because why not talk to you about it before seeing it? Because that's <laughs> definitely the right way Wait, to do are you, it. Are you seeing the next cast? Are you going to see my cast? Are you gonna, I'm waiting for the next cast to come in. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're still you're still there on the fifth of January. I'm still, I, I think I'm I still there. I'm still there. Oh yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, so I can't really I can't really tell you too much because I don't want to give it away. Okay, well that was going to be my question because obviously I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of scary theatre productions like uh, Andy Nyman's Ghost Stories. Uh, yeah. The Woman in Black made me jump more than anything else I've ever seen, like horror movie or otherwise. So what can you say? Obviously, spoiler free for me and indeed anyone else who's going to go see it. What can you tell us about it? Is there anything? Do you know what I like? I actually saw, I've seen previous versions of this play. I saw it a year ago with two different casts. 
And I I loved it. I just went as a punter in the audience and I absolutely loved it. I think Danny Robbins is brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. He also has this, because um, a lot of people know, but he used to do a bit of stand-up comedy. So he um, there's a lot of humor in there. And I love humor in scary tales because it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. That's just when they get you. Mm. Um, and I also think you need that. Any, any, any scary film I like, I need to have. I found The Woman in Black hard because it's not funny. Mm. <laughs> there there is no fun there are no fun bits in that it's not funny um so so with this it's um it's 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 supernatural psychological thriller you can say it's not horror there's a lot of there's a lot of conversations about humanity and a lot of conversations that i think you can kind of bring home afterwards and discuss talk about the gentrification of areas particularly if you live in london but it kind of can relate to most places um do you believe in an afterlife do, do you believe in reincarnation um what what do you do if the person you're with doesn't necessarily believe in the same things as you? And these are questions that kind of can kind of be relatable to a lot of couples. And it, it all takes place over one dinner party in one night, which is when the best stories happen. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like some big themes at play there, but yeah, I'm I am very much looking forward to seeing it. So- There's a lot of a lot of glasses of wine have been spilt during it as well. So just be careful with your drink if you have a drink in the audience. Oh really? Okay, so it does have moments like that in it as well. It does, but you, 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 you like horror, don't you? You like horror, so this will be easy. Yeah. This will be easy for yeah. you because it's not that kind. It's not gory. So as I said at the start when I was talking about, you know, that uh, the introduction, which you described as lovely, and I am very grateful for that, um, I, I went through like an incredible presenting CV. And I know you did study acting, but would, would it be fair to say this is your biggest acting role to date? Definitely. You're doing eight shows a week in the West End, Um and you think eight shows, like they, they crammed them in. There's only seven days in a week, Alex. And you're like, how are they getting eight shows out of me? <laughs> um, but it, it's brilliant and petrifying. And I think also coming from a live telly background, I love live. Um, I studied drama, but there's something about the theatre in particular, which I've always been drawn to. I've done plays before, but not the prestigious West End. Um, and I love live. And so I've loved hosting live telly because every night is different. There's that experience. Maybe why I love actually with this podcast and you know being in a movie theater there's something about sharing an experience with someone that you get in theater that you get when you go and watch a film in a cinema as opposed to sitting on your sofa as you get from being in a theater rather than watching a film so I love that live reactive of of feeling the audience there as well and and does it prepare you all all that live experience because like you say you've hosted live tv with millions watching at home Mm. you've also done shows with like countless people in a live studio audience setting does that prepare you for that first night you walk on stage in the West End? Weirdly, I think it does a little bit. I mean, everything is different you do, but I think everything you do in life kind of helps you a bit. I mean, shit has gone down. Things have gone wrong. I've I've done live shows where in my ear, the producer will say, uh, we don't have that vi- VT, we don't have that videotape. Can you just fill for two minutes? And you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen that doesn't happen in the theater but things have happened i did a play before and i swear to god i think someone died in the audience not saying that the play killed them but like someone i remember someone <laughs> had to be taken out and not and you just have to kind of work around that and it's that life thing of you don't know what's going to happen and i think live telly and live theater um both had those similarities and it's kind of, as much as you've rehearsed a play you you have to be in the moment and you're reacting to what that actor whose oxygen has given you right there and then the same as if you're doing an interview with someone live on telly you don't know what they're going to say you can do you you've probably done this before where you've done um a, a pre-interview before you go on air and then they come on air they say they're going to say one thing and they're not they don't say that <laughs> and you work off that so the same with theater you don't know how an audience is going to respond some nights they might scream some nights they might laugh and you're just responding in the now yeah yeah, uh, this is a presented thing, but obviously the, the mention of earpieces. I have a, 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 an unfortunate tendency on live TV when someone has the, the talk back open from the gallery and a director goes, "Oh shit," because something's gone wrong. Do I think they're that? telling me to do say, you... "Oh shit." Wait, on hold live on. TV. Do you use open? You use open talk back? Not anymore. So I remember my first big live telly job was on I'm a Celebrity for Atten Deck and Atten Deck were hosting on that as well. And I mean, they're the kings of live. And I remember the producer saying, do you want open or switch? And I'm not going to lie to you, I had no idea what either of those meant. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, what's Atten Deck do? And they said, they use switch. And I'm like, yeah, I'll use switch. And I found out afterwards, switch is when you only hear when they're talking to you. And I realized mm. that was the best. I don't need to hear all that other stuff going on. 
Yeah, it's a real insight into like what a gallery's atmosphere is like when a show's going wrong. Just no, God, the language. Oh, it's hilarious! It's hilarious. <laughs> They're all very um, professional. Yes, yes. So, um, is it is it is it fair to say this uh, acting is um, a direction you are moving in more? Because, like, I, I guess from the outside looking in, it feels like maybe you left one of the biggest presenting gigs on TV, which was Love Island, mm-hmm. to take to the stage in the West End or am I putting two disparate events together um, yeah they're, they're kind of not necessarily because there's other projects as well because they didn't necessarily entirely conflict with each other um, for me presenting I know, presenting Love Island doesn't really feel although it's a huge television show it's not a huge job as a presenter because I've worked on shows where it's, it's a lot of it's pre-recorded except once a week so the pre-recorded element doesn't feel like the presenting that I know and love. So a lot of it's pre-recorded and scripted and it's kind of very, it's very formulaic in a way. So for me to be a bit more creative was something that I wanted to do personally um, and kind of have a little bit of my, my, you know, coming into a show that's pre-existing and has a very particular format that you have to stick with. Um, so this feels very different, but I've also... This run runs up until January. I'm then doing a documentary series that starts in March that I'm filming after that. So there's other things. There's other things. The joys of being freelance is about 10 jobs going on at the same time um, that you're kind of kind of working with. Um, but for me, it's always about challenging yourself. I think the day that I don't get the butterflies or the adrenaline or I feel like it's a bit samey is the day I have to move on to something else. Um, well, clearly you, you do love a challenge uh, because uh, your book, a book, you wrote a book know, as well as if you. Book. Oh, my. I, 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 I wrote a book. <laughs> I've been writing and reading for years. I thought I might as well put it to, to some use. And yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know, because it, it could be like, oh, of course, uh, you know, someone in the public eye writes a book. But in, in, in fairness, you studied journalism. That was a degree yeah. you actually did. So you came yeah. from a writing background. So it really isn't that much of a curveball to to write a book. When you say that, I, I've written articles which are about, you know, 4,000, 5,000, up to 7,000 words. And then your editor says, can I have 70,000 words? 70,000 words. Like, okay. <laughs> Thank God. And that, the, the one positive of a lockdown is it, it, it forced me to be at home and write. And, and I love I love that process. I love that. I think coming from uh, a presenting background um, and a talent background, it's very nice. I kind of want the control back to be able to kind of write and use your words. Um, I think now moving forward, when I work on scripts, I like to have my own voice in there too. With some jobs, you can just have the script and you have to do that. Same with even doing a play. What the great thing about doing the play I'm doing now and working with um, Danny Robbins, who's put together this brilliant script, but working with uh, Matthew Dunster, the director, and Isabel Marr, who uh, co-directs, I didn't realize how much you could play with words that are already scripted. You can play with things. And I think coming from a writing background too, as well, has really helped me kind of play around with that. Like one sentence can have so many meanings to different people. The same at writing a book. I've had so many lovely messages from people who've read it and taken something from it that I didn't necessarily intend. Hmm. And that's the beauty. And the same when you watch a film, like so many people can relate to things in so many different ways. Um, And I really love exploring that and and the art of storytelling. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a really positive, life affirming read. I, I I mean, I sort of came at it because obviously we've worked in the same industry for a while, so I can relate yeah. to certain things. But I think they are universal messages about uh, how to put this. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it, about taking control back, kind of like what you just said. It's about not being reliant on the affirmation of others and others. knowing yeah. knowing your own mind. I guess is a yeah. really sort of a very oversimplistic way of saying. And it's- and sometimes simple is best uh, and also it's a really weird industry whether you're coming from an like an acting perspective um or presenting you're always waiting to be booked on a job someone else will mm. book you someone else will pick you someone else will choose you and I kind of was like how do you turn that around even though of course there are the logistical nightmares of like s- someone has to book you in those production companies and whether it's a script or you're doing tapes or auditioning whatever it may be but what can you do within your space and and take control of that and that's something I've found to put yourself out there I was working on a telly show um a few years ago and I loved it it got commissioned for a second series ready to go in January last minute it was pulled it didn't happen and I was told it was happening so suddenly I had this month of January and I didn't know what to do and I'd written a short film and I made it I was like, what am I going to do in that time? This hasn't happened. And I made the short film and that ended up being seen by luckily the right people. It won an award in a festival. And that's how I got signed to an acting agent. And it's, I'm like, oh, if that didn't, if that, if I didn't get that job and I just sat at home and did nothing, 
I would never have opened those opportunities. So the book really, and that quote from one of the best songs of all time, Wilson Phillips, um, <laughs> sharing my age. Um, uh, and it's just like, what can you do in your space within reason? Because there's some things you can't control, some jobs you won't get, but actually making that space for yourself and using your voice, what you can has been really helpful for me, even within a mental health capacity of being like, okay, how can I take control when, you know, actually the last chapter I wrote is, um, how to grow when like when life is a shit show because it's so hard to be positive. The news is fucked. Like the world <laughs> is just falling apart. It's like, but what can you do in your space to make it a little bit better? And and for me, entertainment and storytelling has always been such an important part of my life. Um it is absolutely fantastic to have you on this podcast. It would be remiss of me not to mention your own uh, podcast, Partners in Crime, which you do with your uh, husband, the yes. very funny Ian Sterling. <laughs> Um, it's very funny. It's, He's next door, actually. You'll probably hear him. Oh, uh, say hello for me. Um, hello. Ask him if you <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's it's a true crime uh, podcast. I yeah. mean, is it, an, is it an excuse just to binge watch true crime documentaries, which is a, a, a great deal of fun? And how is it working with um, with your husband? It's weird because we, we don't like, weirdly, we don't really like working too much together. We, we've kind of made that decision. Anything that affects the relationship, if we ever get pissed off at each other in a work capacity, we just stop. Um, when I was working on Love Island, it actually was harder because we never really worked together. He, we, we worked totally different times. I, I was flying back and forth between London and either South Africa or Mallorca. We never really saw each other. This podcast is great because, first of all, you can do it from home. We have a studio we can use in Spotify, which is great, but we're like, well, let's just do it at home. Um, and we actually <laughs> sit down for an hour and talk about things. Sometimes it's nice to talk about not just like parent life or, you know, uh, you know, who took the bins out. It's quite nice to talk about something different. And when it comes to watching television, we find it hard to agree on what to watch. We waste a lot of time you know, scrolling through shows going, do you want to watch this film? Have you seen this? And there's only yep. two things that we can agree on. One is like a true crime or something to do with murder or I, I don't like horror. I like a good storyline. I need it. Some horrors don't have a decent storyline. I like a good psychological thriller. So we watch a crime, a crime film or a crime drama or anything with Dwayne Johnson in it. They're the only two rules. <laughs> That's the only. That's the only thing that we do. Anything with the if the rock is in a true crime, then we're winning at life. He doesn't do too many of them. Oh, brilliant! Uh, well. Listen, I look forward to seeing you on January the 5th in 222, A Ghost Story. Uh, but now, from the stage of the West End Theatre, it's time to head to our virtual cinema. Laura, you are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. So... We push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz, as there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip, Laura. So who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? Oh, there's a lot of people I'd love to go to the cinema with. Um, and a lot of people I don't want to go to the cinema with. I'm just going <laughs> to... Can I, can I name check my friend Dee Moran, one of my best friends? Never go to the cinema with her. She commentates... She commentates. I brought her to see the play I'm in uh, the, with a, a previous cast. She got, sh I was mortified. They were, she tried to guess the ending throughout the whole play. So don't bring her. <laughs> who are these people who commentate during films? I'm like, shut up. Uh, who I would bring, however, um, and sadly it is someone who has passed away, um, a brilliant comedic actor, Leslie Jordan, who is just pure joy. Um, I followed him on Instagram. Um, if people, I think most people will know him, but if you don't know him, he's in everything. He is that guy who's in everything. Um, he had an Instagram account, which he, he really well, kind of went viral during lockdown. And it's just so much joy. He's been in every single American sitcom um, and film. He's been in The Help in films. He's been in Will and Grace, Dharma and Greg, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. If you go on his IMDb, there's not one thing he hasn't been in. And um, <laughs> he's just... He is someone that I would love to have been like my gay best friend. And I'm, I'm sad I never got to meet him. So if I could bring him back from the dead and bring him on a cinema trip, that would be pure joy. He'll probably be in the film we watch because he's in everything. <laughs> yeah, he is an icon. Yes. And he is one of those people that you it's just like, you're like, oh, there he is. And he always yeah. make, he just brings joy to whatever he is in. Go on his IMDb page. It's outrageous the amount of things that he's been in and things that it's like insane. And I said the help, like huge Hollywood blockbusters and films. And then, you know, Sabrina, he's been around for years as well. And he always seems to be the same age. 
always. Uh, but, but sadly, he passed away this year, but his account is still up and running and, and there's little videos of him. And it's honestly the, the joy that he brought. And do you remember when you discovered him and what it is about him that is going to make him the perfect cinema companion? And I, I remember, it's about rediscovering him because I remember him from like, as a kid watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Dharma and Greg and Will and Grace and all these American sitcoms that as a young girl growing up in Ireland, I just was obsessed with and absorbed. Um, and then I remember then during lockdown, finding his Instagram page. And I love, I love when these like older generations of actors, another actor, I mean, a king, Anthony Hopkins. Do you follow him on Instagram? Uh, no, I've been uh, I've been exposed to his wonderful, either incredibly motivational reels that get posted on Instagram all the time, yeah. or uh, his his wonderful dancing. And I believe that- his love for his cat. Yes, yeah. but I love I love rediscovering. So with Leslie Jordan, it was about rediscovering because I remember seeing him on Instagram, going, "Oh my god, it's the guy from everything!" Like as a, when I was a kid, um, and a brilliant actor, and, and like the the range of stuff that he's done. But he does a lot of comedy, and I I love comedy, um, and I just think he'd be really fun to bring with. He probably do you know what he has stories? Like he will have met everyone, so he could tell you some good juicy stories. Oh, that'd be nice. Do you know, do you want to hear a story about this person? Yeah, that'd be great. I love the goss. Love the goss. I'm good for getting goss about people as well. (laughs) Okay, well, you are going to the cinema with Leslie Jordan. There's a clock on the wall. It reads a specific time. What time of day have we gone to the cinema? Right. Controversial. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Oh. That's that's an early, early screening. So tell me why. Why 10 a.m.? Because so when I first, my first telly job was MTV. And one of the brilliant things about MTV is you get to do a lot of junkets and interview a lot of actors. You'd always get to go on these screenings, which would be at mad times during the day, like 10, 11 a.m. And you'd go by yourself. It was amazing. Like I think I took it for granted. Like, you know, when I, I lived in a house share in Camden, and like my, the people I lived with had real jobs. Like one was a lawyer, one worked in the city. So they'd be putting their suits on to go, you know, into the city. And I'd be like, I'm going off to a screening to watch a film in Soho at 10 a.m. by myself. Um, so it always brings me great memories that you have these mad time. You think you have to go at nighttime. Go during the day. It's lovely. And there's not really, um, especially if it's a kid's film, because it's not like... I just like, I love it. I just think there's so many opportunities to go at those times. And then you still have the night to yourself and go out for dinner. But I love a 10 a.m. by myself as well, or with Leslie Jordan. So I'm going to bring Leslie with me at 10 a.m. You and Leslie Jordan at 10 a.m. That's a, that's a notoriously quiet screening room, though. And yeah. I remember I can sit wherever I want. Sleep. I can sit wherever I want. <laughs> but I, I think you mentioned earlier the communal cinema experience, feeding off an audience. <laughs> is, is Leslie Jordan a big enough personality that you do not need anyone else in that room? You'd be surprised who else is in there. You'd be surprised who else is coming at 10 a.m. I think more people come at 10 a.m. than you think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it sounds a little bit weird, the kind of people who go to the cinema on their own at 10 a.m. to watch a kid's movie specifically. <laughs> it's... Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's it's fine, but yeah, why not? That's great. Ten a.m. I just you know early. it's not the, it's not the obvious it's not the obvious choice. You may not bump in, and you're not going to be too many dates. You know when you're there and there's a lot of people on dates or first dates, and you're kind of sitting there in the middle. I just like yeah. I'm I'm there to watch the film. All right, then. So you and Leslie Jordan, ten a.m. Now you booked the tickets for the cinema trip we're on. I did. Where in the cinema are we sitting? You don't want to go too far forward. But I remember, do you remember when The Dark Knight came out and it was just impossible to get tickets? And I remember I got a ticket and the only seat was like front row. And you're basically, if you're front row, I know there's a podcast, but you're like, you literally have to like lie back and just sit like this to, to watch the whole film. And it's just not unenjoyable for your neck or for anyone around you. Um, So I need to go middle towards back. But I like, do you know, in the bigger cinemas, so where the middle has an aisle, so there's like three blocks. So if you can kind of be near, because I need to be near an aisle as well, because if you have to pee, there's nothing worse than being trapped in the middle row. Absolutely. It's the worst. I want... On the same page. I went to a play with my mate at the Old Vic a few years ago. And we, great seats, middle, middle of the row, great. Went to sit down. She's like, by the way, it's three and a half hours long. There's no interval. (laughs) 
Are you joking me? So I, for, for, for me, it's, do you know those big cinemas where you've got like a block in the middle, but there's an aisle. So in the middle, but by the aisle, I want to be able to slip in and out without having to get people up and go, excuse me, and trip over and knock over popcorn. Okay, so just let me uh, let me clarify. So okay. you, you've got an aisle just in front of you, and you are on the front row, just behind this this central Do aisle. You know what? I'm going to be very specific. I'm going to say I'm going to be in row L, and I'm going to be in seat twelve. Row L, seat, seat 12. twelve. Yeah. So uh, are you actually sitting on the aisle, or are you sitting in the middle because you can climb clamber? clamber over the railing straight down into the aisle without having to move past people. Oh, wait, hold on. You're talking about the premier seats, the fancy ones that they've got as well. Have you ever seen them with the rail in front of them? Oh, oh, oh yeah. I, oh, I you know them. Sure. You know them. Yeah. You know them. I've, I've experienced those. Yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah, you're that, you've, got your, you know, you've got your own right. Alex Zane seat probably in an audience <laughs> somewhere that's just for you that no one else can sit on. Yeah, because they're, they're, I mean, I didn't grow up with them, but that's a whole other level. I'm sitting in one of those. And then, yeah, actually, yeah, I screw L12. I'm going to sit in one of those premier ones. But I like to be by the aisle or my friend, so Leslie can be by the aisle because I don't mind asking him to move. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it's, uh, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It just gives me the most social anxiety to find myself trapped in the middle of a row, especially during a Quentin Tarantino three hour epic. Cause you're just like, I mean, this is why I did, I got invited to see Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't pick my seat because it was a screening. I was like, I just, can't, I cannot sit for three that. hours. It no. would be awful. It'd be awful. I would rather wet myself, I will piss on myself than ask someone to move. Out of social embarrassment, I don't ask someone to move during it, so I will just I'll sit there and wet myself. You'd be surprised at how fast people then decide to move on your behalf. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm quiet about it. I'm quiet. I'm not, I don't make it obvious. You know, I'm sitting on my coat. Uh, Way too okay. much information. You are- <laughs> You're in a VIP seat uh, on the aisle next to Leslie Jordan at 10 a.m. So. The air in the foyer is full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What do you usually choose to eat? I just I keep it simple. I just think a buttery popcorn with salt. I don't like this mixing sweet and salty. That's mad. Um, just mm. nice and warm, buttery popcorn. I w- what I will do is I'll get a bag of minstrels and I'll throw them in as a little surprise along the way, because they're quite heavy. They fall down the little cracks. They melt on the inside, but not on the outside, so they don't get all over the popcorn. And it's just a perfect combo. You're welcome. That sounds great. So that is that is your entire... You you, you don't go for the nachos, the hot dogs, nothing like that? Yeah, my husband does. He, he, got, he got this nachos thing last time we went to the cinema. Have you smelt? They stink. The cheese, the melted cheese and the gherkins all on top. And I'm just there beside the, the smell and I'm mortified. The smell of it. I'm like, are you actually going to eat all that? And then it goes dark. You can't even see the nachos. It's such a hard thing to eat in the dark. <laughs> Popcorn you can eat in the dark. Those nacho trays, you can't eat. You don't know which part is a chili pepper or what's a gherkin. You don't know what you're putting into your mouth. <laughs> I mean, I've, I have to say, I do appreciate what Ian is saying here, because while <laughs> calling it cheese is optimistic at best, <laughs> I think if you are going to the cinema, you just you, you go all in. You basically go, give me give me that chemical yellow stuff. Oh, it's vibrant. It glows in the dark, actually. So you can kind of see it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think we're mere months away from making it sentient and it crawling into your mouth. So you just sit there not having to do anything. <laughs> no, I'll stick with the, I'll stick with the popcorn and minstrels. Thank you. And now when you say buttery popcorn, um, I just want to clarify buttery as in the popcorn itself is is buttery by nature. Or have you experienced this in the UK? Because there's a little bit of a, uh, a debate going on. A butter machine. Have you done this in the UK? I think maybe, I, I've done it, but maybe it was in America. I don't really see it much. In America, they've got those, I mean, questionable if that's butter. I don't know what, that's quite bright and neon in itself. Um, like fluorescent yellow, but yeah, you, you can and you can do it yourself as well. Because sometimes when they're doing it for you, they're you know they put a little bit at the top. I want to, I like move, I kind of move it around, make a little hole, like a little well in the popcorn, squirt it down oh. there. So that's a little bit of fun for later, you know. Oh, I love that. I don't know why. I mean, the description of the butter should make that not an appealing image, but creating a popcorn Ooh. well and squirting butter down it. Yeah, I'm 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 sold on that, but I think it is just I think it is only in America. Um, I'm still waiting for someone to get in touch and tell me that they experience this in the UK, but I don't think we have that because of 
health and safety. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's probably not the most hygienic. What I've done at home when I'm making microwavable popcorn or in the pot, I so unhealthy. So I'll make the salted popcorn and then I'll get a little mug, like just a little coffee mug, put a, a blob of butter and stick that in the microwave. Let that melt for about 30 seconds is normally quite good. You don't have to boil too much or it will explode. And then I'll create my own well. I'll just do it at home. Oh, this is a hell of a 10 a.m. breakfast. This is uh, I love it. This is great. <laughs> okay. Well, with our lovely buttery well of butter popcorn with salt, it's time to leave the forum and walk down the corridor towards the auditorium. Posters along the cinema wall illustrate some of your most important movie memories. The first poster depicts your fondest movie memory. What is it? Oh, so hard. I have so many great memories of going to the cinema. Um, do you know what's really lovely? I'm going to, oh, I was split, but I was thinking of this. I was split between two. One is like my first, I remember the first time I went to the cinema was The Land Before Time which is a beautiful film, but also heartbreaking. Do you remember with the dinosaurs, Littlefoot? Do you remember this? Yes, yes. Weirdly, I, I do. Yeah, it's the little Diplodocus, Brontosaurus. Oh, I, yeah. He lo- does, he lose his, does he lose his they family? All, his- they all lose their family. They always lose. <laughs> all these films are devastating. But that was and that was the first film I ever saw in the cinema. I remember my dad bringing me to that. Um, so I, I vividly remember that. And then just a little bit of a I guess, juxtaposition in some ways. It was a very different film. But the first film I went with my child, because they do a thing these days called baby cinema. So if you have a baby under a certain age, you can see grown-up films. As, oh, they, wow. What? Yeah. So if you have a baby, like, young enough that they don't really know what's going on, the first film I saw was James Bond, No Time to Die with her. <laughs> oh, my God. This is... Surely they have to. There has to be some science behind this. You can't just go. We we as a cinema chain, we figured that babies don't know what death looks like, so you can go and see this movie if they're under a certain age. They do it in um, like a few of the Everyman's Soho House. There's a few little. I'm sure they do it in most cinemas. It's a baby one, but they have to be a certain age. If they're like over a certain age, where they are aware of what's going on, you can't watch it. But we went to see No Time to Die, which actually, no spoiler alert, is actually quite a good film because of what it's about and like being a new parent I was like actually this is I didn't know what it was about and the end was very oh oh this is like the first film that we saw in the cinema it's lovely I mean baby didn't know what was going on but I love that you can do this so for me I got to see this film which we wanted to see I hadn't been to the cinema in a long time it was coming out of lockdown great film to see and you could bring your kid with you baby cinema um I love this I'm I, I do love it. I mean, obviously, this is news to me. I, I, I don't, I don't have a baby. I, I have a dog. They don't do dog cinema. Just as I say, just so you know, so everyone was there with babies. You have to have a baby under the age of like eight months. So it had to be quite little. And then there was like this random person who obviously didn't realize it was baby cinema. <laughs> <laughs> That's you who walks because when you're there, it's like obviously the kids are crying because it's and the lights are up. It's not dark. The lights are up. You can have noise. So there's like this. Um, kind of joint understanding that babies will cry. You'll have to change nappies. It's all good. But there was one poor sod who went in and didn't realise and didn't have a kid, and they they were like, "Why is this hellhole?" I, 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 I'm on board. <laughs> to me personally, it, it sounds like a kind of exquisite level of hell. Um, but I'm assuming that everyone is just really sort of like easygoing. Like the noise that a, a room full of babies make is. Can you even enjoy a movie? Do you know what? It was actually quite quiet. Like most of those babies like slept through most of those fight scenes and the noise and yeah, it was, it was just lovely. Cause for me, it was like the first film on time I'd been to the cinema when I hadn't been to the cinema for a long time. Um, and it was just a lovely experience because I was like, I'm never going to get to go to the cinema again. And there I was, it was great baby cinema. Wow. Highly recommend it. If you have a baby, if you don't, you're a bit of a weirdo. Understood. Understood. Um, I am looking forward to, uh, your child's first words being, Mom, by the way, loved No Time to Die. Fantastic. I can't a, believe what happened. I have a martini. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> I was there for the whole thing. The science wasn't right. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm putting up a poster for No Time to Die, I think. Of those two, yeah. No Time to Die I'll is going that. up. Okay. So your second poster depicts your worst movie memory. What is it? 
<sighs> okay, I'm so I'm the worst person for these. I always have like multiple answers, which is not ha- helpful for you. Um, I'm gonna draw on something we mentioned already, which is the, the you mentioned the theater production of Woman in Black. So I'm not great with weirdly. I'm in a scary play, and I'm not great with scary horror. I'm not good. I remember Ian convinced me. I love. I watched them at home, but in a cinema, it's too close. I remember watching the Blair Witch Project. It was just terrifying. Um, <laughs> and now, if you watch it back now, you realize how badly made. But anyway, at the time, terrifying. Um, and I, so I don't normally go in. I, I'm a big fan of like Jordan Peele films, and Us was brilliant. But in the cinema, too close and too scary. Too close and too scary. So mm-hmm. I just refused to go. But for a work. Um, you have to watch the film before you interview people. And I was doing, I think I was like hosting a premiere um, with Daniel Radcliffe and interviewing him. And it was the woman in black. So I had to sit, oh. I had to go to a 10, 10 a.m. screening by myself and watch that film. And I kind of had to stay and watch the whole thing. Um, and I just, it was not fun. Like it just was a really horrible experience because I was by myself. Leslie Jordan wasn't there. And it was just <laughs> so close and it's really sad. And there's no funny bits and and I just I just was traumatized and it's a great film but it's just not for me to watch by my just in those circumstances um but I was like I have to I couldn't leave I had to stay and watch the whole thing because I had to do it for work and I was just like what do I do I can't I can't take this like it's too much <laughs> it really does I mean that's the problem when it's a movie like that and the, the, they say the screening is at, at, at 10 10 30 a.m in the morning it it sets the tone for your day. If it is a harrowing, upsetting, terrifying movie, you do spend the next sort of the mid part of the day when people are like, "Hey, how are you doing? We've got work to do." You're like, "Yeah, give me a minute. Give me a give me a minute here. That's uh, I'm still there. I'm still in a very very strange place." It's scary and really sad as well. The whole thing with his son. I was like, I found the whole thing so. I was just coming out of that traumatized. Um, and and I also yeah, I would have liked to have gone to maybe a comedy at ten a.m. at that time. But but I had to go. I had to go and sit through it because it was for work. And I didn't even have anyone with me. I was by myself. I didn't have anyone to like. When I, when me and Ian would go to something scary, at least you have someone to like hide into. But there was just just me. I couldn't really you know turn around to whatever journalist was beside me and go hi. Can I have your coat? <laughs> yeah, I the, the the one of those that I had. I had to watch Paranormal Activity on my own, literally on my own. As in, there was no one else in the screening room. <laughs> And uh, that was very, very difficult. That was absolutely petrifying. That was the closest I've ever come to going, I think I've got the gist of this. And if I can sneak <laughs> out without the front desk noticing, I might make a run for it. It's, a, it's an almost impossible movie to watch on your own. All right. Poster for The Woman in Black is going up. Your third poster depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. What is it? When I mentioned um, the first film that I saw, The Land Before Time, I've recently been watching a lot of kids' films again, like, you know, re- reliving all those Disney films on Disney Plus, because they're all there to watch now in one go. Um, and I watched Frozen 2. Like, it's so sad. Like, it's all these, all the parents die. Like, it's heartbreaking. And I just watched it, and it's in, in Froze, Frozen. The first Frozen is quite nice and uplifting. The second one, they bring the parents back, and it's just... I was just in tears and I just realized all Disney films are actually quite upsetting. <laughs> like Bambi and Bambi. Have you watched that lately? Jesus Christ. I'm, I, I'm, I'm aware that something horrible happens in the first five minutes of Bambi. And the I, Lion I, King, I... all of them. <laughs> God, now you can finding Nemo. Jeez. Snow oh. White. Snow White, her stepmother's trying to kill her the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a, a weird trope for uh, for Disney films. Uh, that's uh, that's that's really true. So does I mean, it affect you more now as a mother okay, than yeah. it did? Well, I'm just I just feel like I'm being targeted by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Your child can't be successful if her mother's still alive, so let's get rid of her. Um, it's it's so sad. And do you know what? As well, it's beautiful. But watch you one, which I just watched last week again. Um, the opening scene of Up. Um, oh my god! Oh my god! Let's talk about that. I mean, when the, I'm like, what's the point of watching the rest of this? It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And sometimes it's nice to have a little cry, you know. That um, that score uh, during that montage oh. by uh, Michael uh, Giacchino with the piano, and you're just like, what are oh. you doing to me? It's one of the most uh, one of the most affecting moments in the history of animation, and. Uh, 
and and yet again, I believe it is uh, the, the the woman who dies. I'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna have. Why to... does the woman always die? <laughs> always the um, woman. We we may need to uh, we may need to dig into this a little further in our own times and just check how many fathers versus mothers die in Disney movies because <laughs> there may there may be something going on there. The father always ends up with the it's always a stepmother, so the father always goes on and marries someone else, doesn't he? I'm, I'm yep. seeing a trend here. <laughs> I mean, if I go, okay. Ian better not marry anyone else. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's on here now as uh, as I record uh, of of that statement. Yes, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, it's done. Okay, we're on to our final poster. So, wh- wh- which are we putting up? Are we putting up Bambi the Lion King? Let's put up. Let's put up because I did watch that. Last week. Yeah, and okay. someone dies. They all bloody die. <laughs> um, wonderful. Our final movie poster depicts your unpopular movie opinion. What is it? So, I did a thing recently. Again, controversial. I did a thing recently uh, on Radio One where I talk about my top, my top love film, like. Um, yeah, romantic films of all time. Okay. And I didn't put this in the list and everyone was shocked by it. I actually think it's a terrible film and I don't, I'm going to say I don't like it. Pretty Woman is a shit film. Uh, the Julia Roberts 1990 classic Pretty Woman is, and I'm quoting, a shit film. Why? I just don't like Richard Gere and I don't, I love Julia Roberts. I find Richard Gere quite creepy in it. Do you know what I mean? The whole thing. Like, if you kind of break down what it's about, he did, like, pick her... Like, he did pick up this woman and he did have the power over her. Do you know, he's got the money, the power. I didn't like it. I think he doesn't come across well. I didn't fancy him in it. I'm not feeling Richard Gere in it. Don't think it's a good film. It's definitely not romantic. It's a bit shit. Whew. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. So R- Richard Gere, creepy. I, weirdly, I'm going to I'm gonna come with you on this journey because I, I've, I've never... I've never got the Richard Gere thing. Um, I don't get it. So, I don't get it. But arguably, is not Julia Roberts' effervescent screen charisma, that snap of the necklace box, that laugh, is that, does that not compensate? <sighs> She's great. The film shit. She can do better. And she has done better <laughs> since then. And it's like the way when she has to come a big mistake, I could spend all the money in here. It's not even her money. It's his money. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of power things I don't like about that. You have to prove your worth that you can buy these expensive clothes. You kind of came in. Yeah, I've got this rich guy's money who picked me up as a prostitute. And now I'm going to spend money. Like a lot of it I don't buy. I'm not feeling. I don't think it's a great love story. I've gotten loads of shit for saying this before because there are a lot of people who love that film. A lot of people do love it, but this is this is the definition of unpopular movie opinion. I'm okay. So the bit where she's like, "Big mistake, huge." Yeah. I, 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 that's that to me has always been a, one of the fist pumping moments of the movie. It's like, yeah, don't be a bitch because then you know it could come back and bite you in the ass. But yeah, I've never thought about but it. I get, but I, I get that if she'd gone on and had her career and made her money, but it's his money that she's spending. Do you know what I mean? So I just don't think mm-hmm. there's the right. Like if she'd come in and go. Look, I've got this job now. I've made my success and I've done this. I own the shop. I bought it. I've got my own retail business. But I just didn't like he gave her money and she went in and spent stuff and went, big mistake. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Didn't feel very empowering. Okay, throwing you a curveball. She is currently at that stage employed by him. So really, these are uh, her earnings. <laughs> she is. Do you know what? She is employed. And that's, that's a valid point, Alex, that I will take on board. <laughs> so she's only spending her, her salary. Oh, really. Her salary, yeah. Do you think she pays tax on that? <laughs> I don't think. I don't think she's declaring that. <sighs> okay. So I, yeah, I think the your- film does not promote paying your taxes. <laughs> okay so that that's that's my takeaway here so uh, yeah. pretty woman is not a good film because it promotes uh, <laughs> cash in handwork uh, as opposed to uh, hmrc registered employment yeah got you yeah we gotta get got back you. gotta get back to to you know so then you can fund healthcare and things like that that's yeah Fantastic. That's a good, that is a fantastic reason. And the post of the pretty woman is going up. Oh, Laura, we've arrived at the last set of doors. We're about to enter the auditorium. Now, there is a queue of people hoping to join you and Leslie Jordan at 10 a.m. in the auditorium. Are you going to invite them in or do you want it to just you and Leslie? I invite them in. Go on. Once I'm near an aisle, once I'm near an aisle seat so I can pee, they can come in. <laughs> While the crowd goes wild, pouring into the auditorium, 
Now, before the movie you pick for us begins, one of the best things about the cinema is obviously the trailers. What movie are you going to play the trailer for? What's the movie you're most looking forward to? Now, question with this, does it have to be a film that they're actually making or is it one that I just would like them to make? <laughs> I mean, you if you want to pitch a movie right now and use <laughs> this as your forum to get a film made, I'm, I'm yeah. into that. Do you know what? Because I feel bad about the pretty woman thing. I'd like to pitch for... Um, independent strong woman instead of pretty woman and it's julia Mm -hmm. roberts coming back and she has her own retail business on melrose avenue and she owns the shop where that woman works and she's paying taxes that's what i want to see fine and um and and richard gear in this perhaps you know because in the 2008 financial crisis maybe he got into crypto the crypto bubble (laughs) burst and now he's working as a shop assistant in her shop yeah the role, that's it. The roles have reversed. Yeah. Actually, he can be in the film. He can, but he's not the love interest because I just find him a bit, I find him a little bit slimy. No. Who, who, who would you pitch as a love interest considering the era? I, I, I have to say I'm a, I'm a Dylan McDermott fan. Uh, oh, I, I like Dylan McDermott. Mm. I like, yeah. I like a funny man. I like, I'll do a Ryan Reynolds. I like a funny man. I think he'd be good as well. Okay. Just, I'll take, I'll take Ryan. I, I like that. So uh, we're pitching Strong Independent Woman, uh, the sequel <laughs> to Pretty Woman, a Ryan Reynolds and Julia Roberts vehicle. Uh, I love it. And you know great. what? I like as well, she can great. be with the younger man because like Richard Gere was much older than her. So like, do you know what? She's a bit of a cougar now. She's gone for a younger man. I think, yeah, Ryan's younger than her. So yeah. And you're, you're directing this as well, uh, as well. Oh yeah, I'm directing it. Oh, big time. Yeah. That's great. why I'm excited to see it. Because I want to see how it does. Okay. Uh, well, the audience uh, have loved uh, the trailer for Strong Independent Woman uh, starring Julia Roberts, Ryan Reynolds and Richard Gere in a much smaller role. Okay, time now to play your favourite shot or sequence from a movie. What is it? I am a very big Star Wars fan. Like, huge. Ooh. Like huge okay. Star Wars fan. I was actually, I was born May the 4th be with you. That's my date of birth. You will never forget that. So I think from a young age, I've always loved it. Um, but once I realized what it was and I, I, it brings me back to the first time I watched it. I remember I had a sick day from school and my mom had the three VHS of the originals. Um, mm. And I remember I watched them back to back, which is how you should watch Star Wars, the trilogy. Yep. I'm not even going to talk about the other ones they've made since then. Whatever. So your star, your your love of Star Wars is about that original trilogy, yeah. not the New prequels, Hope, but Empire the recent- Strikes Back, Return of Got the you. Jedi. These are the ones I'm talking about. And I watched the three of them as a kid in one go on a sick day. And I like one of the ultimate heartthrobs. Who like one of my first proper crushes on te- on telly was Han Solo. I like seeing. Like Harrison Ford is fit. Like Indiana Jones, he's so fit. He's still fit now. He's just fit. Like, I just think he's really fit. Um, so I remember the scene, the, the love story between Princess Leia, who is a strong, independent woman, and Carrie Fisher, I mean, was an incredible actress and a huge was a huge fan of hers. Um, but the scene, like, it's this love story and then it's the whole really weird Luke Skywalker incestuous potential weird thing going on there. And let's, not yeah. get in. let's not get into yeah. that. Which uh, we none of us cared about as kids. We were no, just like, well, I'm sure, I'm sure. everyone finds their brother. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole relationship with Han Solo and it's the bit when... Um, it's the Empire Strikes Back and it's the bit before he goes into that carbonite and then Han Solo goes into the carbonite mm. and it's like I just love it because the two of them it's not like the obvious love story and it's the line which is really famous which is when she finally says I love you and he just goes I know <laughs> it's kind of it's, I love it because it's actually it is really touching and lovely but also can you imagine telling a man you love you and he just goes I know I mean, it was an ad lib by Harrison Ford on the set. Like he didn't I like what George this. Lucas had written. Yeah, yeah. and so he comes, he comes up with that. And, and you're right, it works, but it really shouldn't. But it's brilliant because it's it's the character. It's so true to character. And yeah, because I didn't, I had read, but basically it was a longer thing where she says, "I've been meaning to tell, I wanted to say this that I love you," and he says, "Just hold on to that or remember that or something, something mm. along those lines." Like remember that you feel that way about me because I will come back, whatever. And it just cut down, and it's so short. But it's epic. I actually have my one of my best friends got me a little Lego Princess Leia and a Lego Han Solo, and it just has the quote, I love you, I know. I was like, that's such a great gift. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Again, a sort of a public public safety warning. Don't try it in real life, though, because it's like there was a movie I used to love called Go, um, which is uh, features Timothy Oliphant as uh, this drug dealer. Have you seen Go? It yeah, it's with them. Um, what do you call it? Katie Holmes? Is Katie Holmes in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. I know that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so um, I can't remember what his character's called, but Timothy Oliphant, yeah. he's like this badass drug dealer. And every time he answers the phone, he goes, speak. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Tried it about three times in real life. You lose, lose friends. Lose friends. Lose friends yeah. quickly. Yeah. Imagine, imagine as an interviewer, imagine you like interviewing like on the red carpet, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> speak. <laughs> Try that out, see how that goes for you. <sighs> okay, I love, love the sequence you've picked for us. Now, you very kindly printed out T-shirts as a gift for our audience. Thank you, Laura. They feature... Your favourite movie quote on the front, what is it? Oh, that's so hard because I'm kind of going to pick that. Can I pick the same one? Is that? Yeah, yeah, of I course. Because no, I, just, I, just, I just think it doesn't get enough. When you think of Star Wars, you always think of the, spoiler alert, everyone knows, like, Luke, I am your father. But, like, it's not. It's, I, I love you. I know. And think, for Valentine's Day, I can make some money off that. If I sell it, keep some. If they don't all sell at the theatre, I can sell at that. Like, just the possibilities. Mm-hmm. For wedding anniversaries, I love you, I know. Okay, T-shirts printed. I love you, I know on them. Now, to get the audience ready for the double bill that you are playing tonight, this is the final thing we're going to use to warm them up. We're playing your favorite song or score from a movie. So I'm a huge fan of 80s music. And I think music has such a huge impact with film. Um, So there's... Two that I was going to mention, but one I'm going to hold back because there's another, I want to talk about this film for the other question. And the one I'm going to talk about now is Guardians of the Galaxy because that soundtrack is just, it makes the film, I mean, the film's great. It's so, and I didn't realize how good it was. I love when you watch something not really knowing much hype about it. You're like, oh, it's another kind of Marvel universe. It's Embry and the cassette tape and the music that's played on that. I can't even pick one song from that. I, I have the soundtrack that I actually have, like I play it on, like on the sun is sometimes just to feel good about myself. It's so uplifting. Isn't it amazing? I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it is from my childhood, at least, there were like the Reservoir Dogs and the Pulp Fiction yeah. soundtrack were those soundtracks that it was like, oh my God, when soundtracks suddenly became this thing where they, this window into the, the tone of the movie. And I think Guardians of the Galaxy, I think what James Gunn did is sort of do that again, just have all these wonderful needle drops in the film. It's so and I and it's it's so funny. I miss the days of like we don't get CDs anymore. And I remember like I used to have more CDs of like original soundtracks than anything else. Like the Baz Luhrmann's. I remember when Romeo and Juliet came out and having that. And there's a uh, from that album uh, going on to Romeo, uh, Romeo and Juliet. I remember there was one Irish artist on it, which I thought was huge. It was a guy called Mundy, and it's a song to you, everything I bestow. Uh, and it's obviously Desiree and all these other songs. And I used to love kind of picking, not necessarily the main song. And Guardians of the Galaxy, if you look at that whole, it's not necessarily, there's so many great songs on that list. And and there's songs that you know, there's songs that have been around for years. So because that's a more modern, a modern film, but then takes me back to those days of when I first started watching films as a kid. Mm. Yeah. And it's... <sighs> Bearing in mind, we started off uh, talking about central heating. I don't want us to seem older than we are, but it is it is that thing where basically when you put when you bought a CD, you'd listen to it start to finish, and you'd get all the you'd get the order, and you'd sort of follow a narrative of the film, and it'd work, and they'd have little clips of the dialogue. And now you just download the song at the click of a button, but you don't get that immersive experience. I don't think. Yeah, and in the order that you're supposed to hear it in as well. And do you remember, and tapes, because in that, obviously, he's listening, the Chris Pratt character is like listening to the cassette tape and the mixtape. Do you remember mixtapes? And it was the most, that was the most romantic gift you could give someone back in the day. Yeah, that that was. Um, never got one, but I, I've, I heard my friends were all like, this, this, this is so romantic. My, my friend, ah. my friend made me one. Um, when I broke up with like a first boyfriend and it was just on it was Laura get over it (laughs) (laughs) and it was just it was just like it was just songs like um uh who was on there um uh, what's the song a bitch a murdered murdered what's her name murdered Brooks bitch I'm a bitch oh yeah remember it was all these like angry songs and I just remember Laura get over it take that out I'm a child I'm a a, mother I'm I'm a a sinner I'm a a saint (laughs) 
yeah, uh, yeah. Great, great uh, breakup uh, song. Now that's what I call dumped. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Copyright that now. <laughs> okay, here we are. It's time now for our double bill. Before we get to the headline movie of the night, we're going to play the movie that is most important to you. What is that movie? So this one, it's a... I, I'm very lucky to be Irish because Irish people are great. We also have great storytellers. And I think there's a lot of fantastic films that are made in Ireland. Um, a writer who I love is Roddy Doyle. Um, I love his books. I love the, his use of dialogue. So he makes a great screenplay. And he's made loads of films. But the one that I want to talk about now that's very special to me is The Commitments, um, oh. which is directed by Alan Parker. And um, it's about, for those who haven't seen it, it's very Irish, set in Dublin, um, about this music manager, Jimmy Rabbit, who wants to make a band. Um and it's just about that story it's a very simple story but it's the dialogue it's the language for me it feels like home I'm from just outside Dublin and it's a film I've watched so much as a kid growing up and I remember when I lived in Boston I was studying in Boston for a while with three other Irish people and we were all a little bit homesick and some of our other Irish friends who were staying in other studying in other states in America they all came to Boston and we were in this tiny little we, we lived in this uh basically like a loft conversion of a house that was like our little flat and it was like four of us in there we all went into one of the bedrooms and we all watched that film together and the music oh. is just brilliant and um it's quite simple like you know it's not huge budget but it's I think it's traveled well and it's a, it's a huge film and and Roddy Doyle he's, he's done the snapper and the van and it's just it just how he writes is just it breeds Irish people and dub like the dubs um, and my dad is from inner city Dublin and that area. And it's it's just wonderful. And also the music. We talk about the importance of music in film. And that that film is is music. That's what gets it through. It's about putting a band together and, and it not necessarily working out. But they had this one moment where they were big. Incredible, incredible movie. I have not seen that movie for about 20 years. But um, I remember... I don't think I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, or, or maybe I'll just have to look it up later. But the guy who played Jimmy Rabbit, I thought he was just fantastic. And I really? remember seeing him in a, a lot of things after that, but he just had so yeah. much charisma and he just was like this force of like, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, you're right. And he was huge because he was like pretty much the whole film. His dad is played by Colin Meany, though, who's obviously a legend, mm. the legend Colin Meany. Uh, and his sister is Andrea Core of the Coors. Um, so there's yes. all these little things. And actually in his band is one of my favorite musicians. Outspan is played by Glenn Hansard, who is the lead singer of The Frames, who w wrote Once, which won the Oscar. So there's all these great little things that you in it that not necessarily are the main parts. But you're right, the guy who plays Jimmy Rabbit, I never really saw him in anything else, but he was brilliant in that role. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a great choice. And and just to clarify, uh, you you uh, obviously are from Ireland. I am and Irish. You went to Boston, America. Yes. Uh, how did you feel homesick in Boston? It's full of Irish. <laughs> 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 it's full. I remember, true story, I um, I remember meeting a guy in an Irish pub, like he owned the Irish pub and, and quite an old man. And he was, he had the most Irish accent. I've, I've never heard anyone in my life say, top of the morning to be sure to be sure because no Irish person says that he did and I was like oh so where in Ireland are you from he said oh my family are from oh my family are from Cork and you know and I'm like this is not a real accent and I'm like when have you last been I said when have you last been there he had never been there <laughs> wow. he had never been to Ireland never been to Ireland but it had the strongest Irish accent I've ever I've ever heard do you know what's great living living in Boston and being actually Irish is great I bet it is. Yeah. I bet it is. Do you think it was a real accent then, or he just gone? Ah, oh, this is gonna. This is this is this is I the best way to speak. They have such pockets of like Irish people and Irish communities, um, like Southie and stuff. And you'll know if you watch mm. The Departed and all these like Boston films. There's all these little areas you learn about which are like really like um, a lot of Irish there, and they probably just have made this their own accent evolve, maybe from grandparents or maybe watching, I don't know, Darby O'Gill and the Little People and thinking that's how you're supposed to sound. I don't know. Oh, right then. The Commitments is the movie that's most important to you. So it's time now to announce to our excited audience in this packed auditorium, the headline movie, the movie out of all others you've picked as the climax for tonight. What is it, Laura? Well, 
the first film I said that I ever saw was The Land Before Time, which is about dinosaurs. I'm in mm. I'm in the cinema with Leslie Jordan, but you know, Alex, I've saved you a seat. You're coming in as well. And Yay! We, we are watching, and it's, it's probably been mentioned a lot of times, it's a popular film, it's going to be mentioned a lot of time in this podcast already. We're watching Jurassic Park. <sighs> Tell me why. Tell me why. I have obviously no problem. <laughs> Thank you for saving me a seat. Um, why Jurassic Park? I think, I don't know, I think we're going to watch, can we watch like all of the Jurassic Parks? So we just have to watch one film. Or can we watch the old one and then into the new ones? Because I have to say the new ones are quite good. They've done well with the new ones. Uh, the, the the new new ones? So Because oh, ones. obviously we're going, so there's Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Do you want to include Jurassic Park 3? No, actually not. No, 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 no. Let's not do Jurassic Park 3, actually. Let's just skip that. The, Let's just skip that the, one. The one where a velociraptor in a dream sequence is sitting in a plane seat <laughs> and turns to Sam Neill's character and goes, Alan? I actually forgot that. I forgot that one existed. I was just thinking Chris Pratt. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I love that film because... I love dinosaurs. Like I said, Land Before Time. I, I've always been quite... I remember in school when you kind of learn about dinosaurs and going to Natural History Museum and you see the skeleton and it was just um, insane. That film, it's aged really well because I watched that recently. It's actually aged really well. And then you, you and I were on set of the new film years ago. That's right. In New Orleans, uh, where <laughs> both of us interviewed Chris Pratt for a television special that never got aired. So I think we should have our time and we're going to watch that film together because we never did. I love it. I love it. It was so weird. I mean, so much money had been spent. They dressed a former NASA rocket building factory as sets from the movie. They showed us all the vehicles. They paid for us to fly over there. We did the interviews. We drank cocktails with plastic sharks sticking out of them. And uh, and then they were just like, that was great, guy. You were great. We're never going to show them. Uh, we, we don't have a reason. Uh, not that I've heard anyway. No, and it was so cool because you got to, like, the set was amazing. And we were in New Orleans. The actors were there. And um, oh. uh, and it's a great, and it's a great, it's a great film. Um, so I think we deserve just to watch Jurassic Park together with Leslie Jordan. I love it. Jurassic Park. Do you remember the first time you saw it? I think I watched it when I, I think I might have seen that in the cinema as well. I think that's one of those you have to see in the cinema, and and, and petrifying because they're so big, but great storyline. Like it's just it's just so clever because you know what's scary? It, I think it could happen. It could happen. I'm going to say it out there. It could happen. It, it could happen. I mean, you know, Dolly the sheep one day, a, a velociraptor the next. Wally the sheep, topical. <laughs> you know as well. I am. Um, I I do Gogglebox sometimes with my husband, and we mm. we were watched a clip of that, and Ian did not know. Ian was like, "Oh, that actor's really good at playing like a David Attenborough type character," and I was like, "You know, that's his brother." And he was like, "No, it's not. That's an actor. That's an actor, Laura, trying to be like David Attenborough." I was like, "No, that's Richard Attenborough, his actual brother," and he was like, "No, no, Laura, that's an actor trying to be David Attenborough," and I was like. I'm going to IMDB the shit out of this and prove to you. And his mind, he never knew until this year that they're brothers. He just thought that was an actor doing a really good job of being like him. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I, I need to have Ian on the show at some point <laughs> just to discuss that. He, at length. He's seen nothing. Like, he has seen, like, I'm like, oh, let's watch, like, Grease or Dirty Dancing. I mean, I have seen stuff, just not the stuff I wanted to see. He'd never seen Pelman Louise, didn't really know what that was about. Like, he doesn't know these cultural references. It's insane. But he's watched all of The Purge. <laughs> and all of The Saws. All of The Saws. The, the, the man knows what he likes. The he knows man what knows likes. what he likes. Oh, Laura, that's it. The curtains have closed. The guests are milling out, smiling, chatting, and thanking you for taking them on an incredible night out at the movies. Before you go, it's time for this week's mystery questions. We ask, what's in the box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? And the mystery question this week, which I haven't seen, so it could be a short or long answer. Oh, okay. Fine. Uh, your mystery question this week is, you can currently be seen on stage in 222, A Ghost Story. Have you ever had what you describe as a supernatural experience? So the the play centers around the time 222, um, and it all happens in one night. And ever since I've started doing this play, like that number keeps popping up places. Like As in, oh. wake, up, wake up in the middle of the night and it's 222. Our director just flew back. She was away. Her... Her ticket, which was flying with Virgin, was VS 
was her flight number last week. <laughs> we were in a car. I the car and the license plate in the car in front of me was something 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 two two two. <laughs> so this oh, no. keeps on happening all the time and it meant if you look it up it is an angel number and apparently it's quite a, a positive I like to think it's a positive number otherwise it's like I don't know really worrying like final destination it's following me around <laughs> but um, yeah so ever since I started doing that play I just see that number everywhere that scares the shit out of me but I, I like I like to think that it's positive it's positive it's supportive it's saying well done well done <laughs> I tell you what, once I've watched the play on January the 5th, I'll come back to you and, and let you know whether I think 222 is positive or you should be absolutely terrified and okay. it's going to final destination you. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Laura, that's it. Your taxi's arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you leave, let's recap your perfect night out at the cinema. You are going to the cinema with not D, who narrates <laughs> films, but the comedy legend Leslie Jordan. You're sitting on the aisle in a VIP seat at 10 a.m. You are having popcorn with a well in which you've squirted butter you are then screening the trailer for Strong Independent Woman, the Pretty Woman sequel starring Ryan Reynolds and Julia Roberts. Then the sequence, I love you, I know, from The Empire Strikes Back. That is also going to be the quote on your T-shirt. We're listening to the soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy before watching The Commitments, followed by Jurassic Park. Laura, thank you for taking us on this trip to the movies. Have you had a good time? It's been quite a ride, hasn't it? <laughs> quite a range of films there I'm really looking forward to that new film Julia Roberts deserves it deserves it to come back and laugh <laughs> and as Laura's cab carries her away from our virtual cinema off into the distance it's your chance to win a pair of tickets for a very real Odeon cinema as I said at the start the lovely people at Odeon have given us a pair of tickets to give away every week so if you'd like the chance of getting these tickets all you have to do is leave us a review of the show or a comment on our socials you can leave the review on whichever podcast platform you use be it Apple Podcasts or other or you can get in touch on any of our socials Twitter Instagram and TikTok where we are at Trip to Movies Pod the competition is only open to UK residents and tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget you can find the full ad-free video interview for Laura Whitmore and indeed every guest on our A Trip to the Movies Patreon, as well as early access to the podcast too. And if you'd like to get a taste of those video interviews, why not subscribe to our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel? And that really is it. We're having a week off next week, but with it being Christmas and everything. So I'll speak to you with a brand new trip to the movies in a fortnight's time. Until then, have a Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.